Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well today? It's good to see you today. Um, just like to take a moment to just give our support and of uh, the Pretorius family, Marius and Linda. They've been members of this congregation for a very long time, and their son passed away yesterday at the age of 34 after a six-week quick uh, bout with cancer. Emmanuel passed away, and we just want to say we're with them, we pray for them, and offer them our love and support in this time. And if you know them, please just you know, pray for them, and let's carry them in a time like this. We had a wonderful week this week also in terms of just the TCN time that we had. We had our churches from all over the country, Namibia, different places. We had friends from the states. We had, uh, that's not the free states also, so we also had friends from the free states, but also the United States that came and spent the time together with us. And um, one of the things that we always really want to stand out in and that we do stand out in as a Hatfield family is our hospitality. And it's always important for us because it's such a biblical value that when people come here that they feel just uh, that they appreciated, that they loved, and something of the heart of the Father. And uh, to do that, we always need volunteers and people to work and help do that. And this week, it was no exception. We had a real great bunch of volunteers and, and our staff and everybody that worked so hard to make all those people feel really welcome and special. We had 15 families that opened their homes and invited people to come and stay with them over that time. We had people from both the South Church and from Hatfield here came and served and just helped people and clean and move things around it. Just, uh, we would just want to say thank you so much for your kindness and for your great hospitality and your hearts in that. We really appreciate all the volunteers in this church. Won't you just give them a real good round of applause? Today I want to share a message with you, and uh, it's entitled, in our series of Faith for Tough Times, it's entitled, Blessed Be the Sower. Blessed Be the Sower. And um, you know, at Hatfield, every week we speak about giving. Every week. We don't often talk about giving money, but we speak about giving every week. How many of you know that at Hatfield we don't take up long offerings and to read lots of scriptures and everything about giving? But today I want to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about our finances. And last week we already had, Dwayne came and he spoke to us. And what an amazing response we had from you all after the end of the service and just came and just gave into just a, a gift of faith. And there was just short of 30,000 rand that was given last week at that, uh, at, that, at that time, at the end of the service. Um, for many of you that may, were not here, up to about 15, 20 minutes after the service was finished, people were still coming forward. And we had an amazing time in God's presence. And we've committed that that money that was given, we're going to use as a seed and to give to somebody or, or someplace else. We haven't had time with TCN this week to prayerfully consider that yet, but we'll talk to you about that. And we want to be a sowing church as we've always been. And uh, I, I want to talk in a way that I hopefully will help you. Now, sometimes I try and do things to help, but then I'm not helping. And I hope today is not going to be one of those days. In this week, I tried to do something to help, and I was just not a help at all. On Wednesday night, <laughs> these guys told me about it this morning, so it's really fresh in my memory. On Wednesday evening, we had uh, with Angus Buck in the service, and the choir was up here, and they were singing and, and really leading. And I was standing over to the side there, and I just felt that I need to come sit right in the slap bang in the middle in the front here and just show my support to them and come and help them and, and just, you know, let them feel that I'm with them. And I came and stood in the front. 
But the part that I wasn't really helpful with was that they were singing a particular song that, not, that they didn't know so well, so they were relying on the monitor in the front here to be able to see the words. <laughs> and I was dancing up and down in front of the, the monitor all the time. And they were really trying to get my attention and say, oof, just, you know. So they had to get a bit creative. And, and so I hope today's not going to be one of those days where I'm trying to help. So forgive me, guys. Have you forgiven me? And <laughs> Thank you very much. So that today is one of those days that I'm really helping and not um, getting in the way. Uh, in a sense, I, I'd like to have today framed as a bit of a family talk. And uh, if I could, I would sit down and uh, just have a talk with you as a, as a family together. And um, the reason I, I want to do that is because I have such deep appreciation for this family. I'm coming up to um, almost 40 years as being, in some way or another, part of this family. I started coming to this church in Anderson Street days when I was about 9, 10 years old. I can't remember so well, and my mother can't remember so well either, but it's, it's long ago. For Natasha, she's coming up to 30 years as being part of this family. She started coming to Hatfield directly after school. And um, if I stand and just think for times, and I, you know, I really, there's so many things that I appreciate about this family, that I learned from this family, that shaped me as a person, this family. And um, today, when I speak about this topic of blessed be the sower, I do it from that place, almost feeling like, it's my responsibility to help pass on the legacy of this family and to make sure that it continues on. Both Natasha and I came from challenging backgrounds in terms of our family's finances. Both of us experienced our, our parents losing everything, being sequestrated, being declared bankrupt. We both lost our homes at certain times in our lives, and we both experienced the, the reality of how things can go wrong and the pressure and the difficulty it puts on a family. Um, in my case, my father had a, a drinking habit and he had a gambling habit. And that caused that, you know, even though we would come to church here and my mother would do her best to teach us the principles of the word and we were trying to learn, there was this reality in our lives that just messed things up. And so by the time I was 17, my dad was declared bankrupt and we lost our home lost our car, lost furniture, you know, and it was a, as a 17-year-old, it was a really embarrassing time. But I'm so deeply thankful for this family that not only in that time supported us, but the family that kept on speaking to us God's Word and God's principles. So that when my dad died just later that year, in, in about a year after that happened, he died and left us with, then you can understand, nothing. Didn't have a home anymore, and uh, he passed away. And it was a particularly hard time for us. I was at that time just leaving school and going to my military service. And, and um, my mom had to start from scratch. And with my brother, who was still at school, and uh, this community stood with her, but kept on encouraging us in the Word. And the story of our family, and, and I don't want to dwell on that too long, that it didn't take, uh, if I remember correctly now, didn't take seven years for the Lord to be faith, show His faithfulness to our family in that within seven years, my mother was able to buy a house, cash, had a new car, and God provided in amazing ways for us because of the seeds that she showed, sowed in all the difficult times because of what we learned in this family. We were taught here that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
We were taught the principle of tithing, putting God first in your finances. And I'm so deeply thankful for that, that when I left military service and, and felt called to the ministry and, and, you know, this is my home, so this is where I came, and the year of your life started that year in 1989, the first year that it started, I signed up, and I think I was the first person to sign up for the year of your life, and I was so excited, and then I realized we had no money. It was before the time that, you know, the, the financial situation changed in, a, in our home. I had no money. My mom could afford to give me a couple of rand every second month in terms of pocket money she could commit to. And, um, but we prayed, we trusted the Lord. And people from this community at that stage gathered together and said, we're gonna help you, we're gonna make it possible for you. And people from this community paid, helped pay for my, my first and my second year of studies here at the training center. And I was so deeply thankful for that. And then I can remember in that time, the Lord provided for me financially, and, he, and, and a friend that I had gave me, I think it was 800 rand, if I remember correctly, and she said to me, I feel the Lord says, I must give this to you, and this is your pocket money for the year. And I was so excited. I, had, I could buy my toiletries and you, you, you know, just look after myself for the year and not have to depend on my mom uh, you know, and, and just say to her, even that you didn't have to worry about. But it wasn't about a month into the year. One day in prayer, the Lord said to me, Hold on, hold on. I need you to take that money and there's one of your fellow students that can't pay their fees and you need to pay into their account. How many of you know I had to pray about that a couple of times <laughs> and make sure that that really was the Lord? And I can remember taking that money and it was cash and putting it in an envelope and sticking it under his pillow and just leaving it there and, and saying you know, that it was for his fees. And I heard nothing. He didn't testify about it, nothing. For, for months, he said nothing about this. And my heart was getting troubled, you know, as I was now starting to smell because I didn't, couldn't buy my toiletries. And, uh, you know, the teeth were starting to feel a bit like they had woolen socks on. You know, it was just not great. And he said nothing. And then it was literally, if I remember correctly, this many years ago, a couple of months later, that one day he stood up in, a, in a, one of our student times and he said, you can't believe what happened. I needed this, I think it was still 800 rand. I may have kept 50 for myself or something, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. So he said, I needed this amount to pay my studies and, and, and you know, I was getting in trouble and I was cleaning under my bed the other day and I found this envelope. <laughs> Shows you how regularly the guys cleaned, you know, really well. And uh, he found this envelope and he could pay the money and I went, at least it got you know, did what it was, but it was in those times that the principles that I learned in this family, and I can remember from my third year on, I had to, the, the, the provision that people could, could give us up until that time, the Lord ended it, and I, and I was like, now how am I going to pay for my studies, and I said to the Lord, Lord, when I finish my degree here, I want to have no debt, I want to trust you to not owe a single cent, and uh, I got a job at a local restaurant, and I started working and uh, waitering. And I will confess to you today that I was the worst waiter known to this nation. I hated every minute of it. The people hated me. It was just terrible. I didn't get good tips because I think everybody could see that I'm not doing this because of any passion. I, it was a struggle for me. I fought with the Lord every day. I had to drive. My friends were going out. They were doing other things. They could study. I didn't have time. I had to work to pay for my studies. And and I, so I did this, and it was in that time that I learned a principle in my life that I call the 50-40-10 principle. And I made this deal with the Lord. I said, Lord, 
Every rand that you give me through my work, I will take 10% and it belongs to you and I will tithe first. That's the first fruits. 50% I will take and pay on my, lo- on my student fees. And 40% I will keep for myself to live off. And I will tailor my life so that whatever I need, I can, you know, just 40% is all I need. And the Lord's were so faithful that by the time I finished my fourth year and got my degree, I owed nothing. I paid off all my student fees. I had a little car that I paid off in that time, and God provided. But it was because of lessons that people taught me, people that loved me enough to come and say to me, these are the truths of God's Word, and you have to keep with them. I don't like Natasha to come and just share with you a little story from her side, and because this has become our family story, in a sense, is how we trust the Lord and and from here to go to different places and trust the Lord and as we started leading different things and not only to trust for ourselves but to trust the Lord for that which He wanted to do and through us. So Natasha's going to tell you a story about that a little bit. Yes, when I was, well let me first say good morning. (laughs) Um, When I I was also trusting the Lord for, um, you know, when I was about 20 years old, actually my whole life has been trusting the Lord for finances because I also come out of a, a poor kind of situation, you know, and I, when I felt the Lord said I must come to Pretoria because He wants to use me full-time into ministry, I had like no idea what that meant. I was just radically saved and I was prepared to give up anything for Him. So um, I was about 19 years old when I came and and I remember how the Lord provided for, for LTS and for everything, how He just provided money because I had no money, nothing. How many of you know what it feels like to trust the Lord if there's no possibility physically of somebody providing for you? No, there was no possibility. No family, no parents, no, nobody who could, who could provide for me. Because I was here, came to Pretoria from a small place, um, and I didn't know anybody. And then I eventually found a good job and had medical aid and everything, and my parents were very, very happy. And I was about 20 years old, um, and, um, you know, they, they were grateful that I had a great job. Um, and then I felt God said, I must do you of your life. This is, so I still remember that day when I had to make the phone call to my parents and said, I resigned. <laughs> I resigned. I'm going to go full time into ministry. My dad was like, what? What did you do? Um, And um, I just went to the Lord and I said, Lord, if this is you, please speak to me about it. And I remember that the Lord said to me, I want you to trust for the money for you of your life. Um, And he gave me a scripture from this day onwards, I will provide. And I took that scripture and I put it against my wall and I said, okay, Lord, let me work it out. I think uh, this was three months before Year of Your Life started. <laughs> this was three, I had three months to get the money. So um, I said to the Lord, okay, um, let me see what I can get together. I think I can get together about two or 3,000 rand out of my work situation, and I put it up against the wall, and I said, I'm trusting the Lord for 2,000 rand. So I put it against the wall with my little scripture from this day onwards, I will bless you, and every morning when I woke up, I would just 
pray for that and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the money. That's the strategy that I felt God was giving me. And then I found a job at a, at a restaurant as well, and I became a waitress. But she was a good waitress. I know. <laughs> I couldn't spell. I couldn't, it was an Italian place. I couldn't remember all the, the weird things, but, but God was gracious. <laughs> so God was gracious. There was lots of angels that he placed on, you know, on my path that I could just say so thank you to. But I remember then um, in my work situation, I resigned. Um, and um, they weren't very happy with me that I resigned. And, and when I said, listen, I'm trusting the Lord to go full-time into ministry, um, one of the CEOs of the company um, that I didn't know, he came and he said to me, I just want to come and speak to you a little bit. So I thought he's going to try and talk me out of it. And then he said to me, listen, I, I just want to hear your story. And, and then I told him the story of how God just, you know, just convicted me that this is what I needed to do in my life. Um, and then he said to me, okay, um, you know, just give me some time. I want to I wanna bless you. Um, and um, he took his time. And uh, in the meantime, I woke up every morning and I said, thank you, Lord, for the 2,000 rand. And then I realized 2,000 rand is not going to be enough. Can I make it 3,000 rand? <laughs> kind of t- <laughs> changed it. And then uh, just for a week, just said, God, thank you. And I kind of forgot about him saying that he was going to bless me. I thought, okay, if he does, you know, it will be like maybe 500 rand or so. And then one day he came and he said, he spoke to his wife um, and he gave me a check. How much do you think? 3,000 rand. Wasn't that amazing? So, I mean, that for me as a 20-year-old was like, I phoned my mother immediately. They cried. This was such a testimony for them that God was going to provide for me. And that for me was just, you know, one of the things in our lives uh, and in my personal life where God's just provided tremendously in my life. And that's been our testimony as a family, how God has provided for us. Thank you very much. I know many of you, and how many of you can put up your hand and say, I've got stories to tell about how God has been so faithful to me, how God has made the impossible suddenly happen. Isn't it wonderful that we can share those? And I think it's important. I want to ask you, in this week or so, tell somebody a story like that. Let's stir one another's faith. Because stories like that, doesn't it really help us? And and I I really want to say to, to this community, thank you for changing our lives, for helping us, for getting us to a place where we could understand the importance of biblical principles in terms of your finances particularly. Dwayne said it last week. It is such an important theme throughout the Scripture. And this morning, as part of that understanding of biblical understanding of finances, I want to talk about this thing that we, that we often mention in, in church and that can be a bit controversial and many people have different opinions about it. And, and I, I don't want to enter into an argument really whatsoever. And I, my job not, is not here to convince you about anything particularly, but is to, the best I can do possibly is to share our family's conviction with you that we learned from this community and that has served us so well and particularly when it comes to tithing and to say to you today that we, our family, because of what we learned here, we have, we believe in tithing and have been practicing it for, you know, more than 30 years, Uh, personally and then as a family and we believe in tithing and I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe in tithing quickly. The first reason I believe in tithing is because I believe it's a law. Can I say that again? I believe in tithing because I believe it's a law. 
Now, some of you will go, I told you this is the wrong church to, to come to today. <laughs> Want to grab your handbag and off you go. Can I ask you, just give me a moment to explain what I mean. See, there, somebody's getting, I'm just teasing you, sir. <laughs> I believe there's a spiritual law, many spiritual laws that govern our lives. And the, the, the principle, not perhaps of tithing, but the principle of the first fruits is one of those laws that we have to be clear about in our lives. And that I, th I thank the Lord for the clarity He's given us as a family on that. How many of you know there are many spiritual laws that govern your life? Even though you're a New Testament believer, you're under grace, that you don't have to earn your salvation, and we're very clear on that, that there's nothing you can do to impress God to earn your place in the kingdom. How many of you know there's still laws that govern your life spiritually? Can I mention one or two laws for you? The law of forgiveness. When somebody offends you, does God ask you to go and pray whether you should forgive them or not? Does God say to you, you should consider forgiving them? Or does God say to you very clearly from his word, you must forgive? You must, it doesn't ask what the situation was. It doesn't ask how it happened, why it happened. It doesn't give you all, it, there's no rig, wiggle room. The word says, forgive. Any of you agree with me on that? Aren't you glad that you don't have to every time go and pray? Say, Lord, is this one of those situations where I must forgive somebody or should I not forgive? Isn't it nice that certain things are just settled? You just know. This is my response. The law of love, agape love. Does the word teach us that we have to love every single person that we encounter? Or do we pray every morning and say, Lord, are these one of those people that I should love or do they fall outside of what your expectations are for me? I don't want to be under the law, Lord. I don't want to stay, you know, I'm not living my life in the law. So please tell me, should I love this person or not? No, those things are settled for us. Laws around issues of immorality and lust, for instance. Is that clear for us from Scripture? Did Jesus say that if your eye causes you to fall, what must, what must you do? Take it out. Now, we understand, thankfully, that he didn't mean that literally. Otherwise, we would all be one-eyed people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Or no-eyed people, some of us. But we understand the law of the heart, that, that there's certain expectations that God has for us. And, and I think we can mention many of those kinds of laws throughout that we still practice. And they're not law to us externally, they are the laws of our hearts. We must understand the key difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that the old covenant was written on stones of tablets. It was something outside of myself that I had to try and keep. The problem was it showed me what I'm supposed to do, but it did not enable me to do it. Whereas the new covenant, Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And what Jesus did, what he said, is I'm going to enable you to do even more than what the law of the old covenant required, because I'm going to write the law on your heart. It's no longer an external thing. It's now an internal thing. There's laws on our hearts. Perhaps a way that I understand it, and, and I don't know, perhaps this helps, or if it doesn't, forgive me. In, in Natasha and my relationship, 
to have, you know, to, we, to love one another, we have certain, certain laws that we hold between us. Different things that from our biblical understanding and even just from our life together that we've learned that these are the things we do to show each other that we love each other. In our house, for instance, one of those little laws that we have is that we make each other tea. And uh, if I am, um, so, so often in the mornings when she, when she wakes up, it's my responsibility to go and make sure that she's got a cup of tea when she wakes up and she'll sometimes do it for me. And uh, even when we're busy throughout the day, let's say I'm busy in my office preparing, she'll pop in and say, do you have time for a cup of tea? And then sometimes I'll say, I can't break now, I'm into my thoughts. And then um, she'll say, I'll bring you a cup of tea. And when she brings me the cup of tea, it's not about the tea. How many of you know what she's saying is, I'm thinking of you, I'm with you. Now, it took me a while longer to understand that's actually what it means. So that when I do it for her, so if I don't make her a cup of tea, you know, if a, cup, if a day has gone by and I haven't made her a cup of tea, she'll come stand in front of me with a teapot expression. <laughs> you know, she'll come and stand in front of me and say, why don't you love me anymore? Sorry, I'll make you tea. How many of you as a family, as a husband and wife, you have little laws like that? Now, that law is written on my heart and I do it not to prove to her that I love her, but because I love her. Now, if let's say I, I don't even want to personalize this. Let's say a husband, let's say, you know, a family has a law like that and, and the husband is actually cheating on his wife. He can still keep the law because he doesn't want her to find out. So he'll make her the cups of tea regularly. He'll do all the nice things. He'll do all the right things, but his heart is not in it anymore. He's doing it to keep the law, but it's not in his heart. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's why Jesus came and died, and he paid the price for our sin, so that the law of God can be on our hearts. When I practice the laws of the Scripture, the spiritual laws, whether it's the laws of forgiveness, it's not because I'm trying to earn my salvation or get my place in the kingdom. It's because I have my place in the kingdom that this becomes the expression. This, it's like this is the way we live as a kingdom family is we forgive. It's, it's how the kingdom family works. We forgive. It's our family law. And we're clear on that. And I think the law of the first fruits, I would personally put in that same realm. Now, I want to share with you just quickly around the scripture. In Exodus 13, verse 2, this principle or the law of the first fruits is mentioned the first time. In Exodus 13, verse 2, the Lord says to, to his people, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. In chapter 13, a little bit further down, in verse 12 to 13, he says, You shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord, but every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and every firstborn of man among you, shall, you your sons, you shall redeem. So the law basically said this in, in, in the principle of the first fruit that the, the Lord was passing on to his people was saying, every firstborn human, every firstborn animal, everything that comes first belongs to the Lord and needs to be given to the Lord first. So when you had a lamb 
from a sheep, and uh, that first lamb was the, was the custom and was the law is you gave that to the Lord. Unless that first lamb was not well. Unless that first lamb was a crooked, you know, cripple, there was something wrong with it. Then you had to get another lamb to sacrifice it to redeem that which was broken. Or if it was a donkey that was born, a donkey was an unclean animal, so you couldn't sacrifice the first donkey to the Lord because the donkey was unclean, so you had to redeem the donkey that was born by giving the sacrifice of the firstborn lamb, so there was a substitutionary sacrifice that was made. But the principle was this, that everything that is first belongs to the Lord. And the Lord clearly instructed the nation with that. And last week, Dwayne said to us, that was practiced even before the Lord said this. This was a response from his people, that the firstborn belongs to the Lord, the first of everything. If the first is not adequate, then a redeemer had to be given to redeem that which was not adequate. And if you remember in, in Matthew, in the scripture further on, it talks about how Christ is the lamb that was slain. You see, Christ was the firstborn. Christ was, was that which was given by God as the first so that the rest can be redeemed. Now people can say, now, why did Jesus have to die for our sins? Because he redeemed us. Because we were impure. We couldn't die for ourselves. We needed a substitutionary lamb to die for us. So God practiced the principle of the firstborn. Jesus, in a sense, we can really say, was a tithe that God gave to bring us in to redemption, to cleanse us, to save us. And this law, this principle is practiced throughout the Scripture in many different ways. And, and I'd encourage you, there's a really good book that was written by Robert Morris, um, The Blessed Life, if you want to read a good book about this and think through it for yourself and get some of the Scripture and, and study it and think about it. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris is a book that you can get at the Christian bookstores. You can download it um, and read that book. It explains this principle really well. But throughout the Scripture, the Lord says, first, I am first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So there's this principle in us that says, what comes first in our lives? What comes first? And it's that principle that I believe is important and that frames for us the idea of why we believe in tithing. You see, when we tithe, now, this is how I believe the tithe works, if I understand the laws of the first fruits. Tithing is not giving the last tenth of what I have to the Lord. It's giving the first, the first tenth. Because what I'm doing when I tithe is I'm communicating to God certain very important things. And I am not only communicating to God, but I am cooperating with the principles of the kingdom when I practice this. The law of the first fruit says, God first, God first. How many of you know that it's so important in our lives that in all sorts of ways we communicate to God, to other people, and to ourselves that God comes first? God comes first. And when we give in the principles of the first fruits, that's what we're saying. We're saying, God, you come first in everything that I have. You come first. 
Otherwise, we can think, okay, we'll give to God, but we'll give what we have left over. We'll give the excess. We'll give what we don't need. But this is not what that talks about. This says God first. I put God first. So in my giving, what I do, and, and I, I want to sort of try and just as practically as possible explain this, is for us as a family, how we've always practiced this is to say, Lord, whatever income we get, whether it's, you know, I take it to birthday money, I take it to everything, whatever I get, when I get it, before I spend a cent of it, I take my tithe first and I give that to the Lord. And by, I understand giving that to the Lord means I give it to the church. To the church where I belong to, the family that I feeds me, that, that support, looks after me, the family where I express my faith, that's where that belongs. That's the storehouse of the Lord. That's where I withdraw from. I withdraw from that family. So that's the money, that's the place where I deposit into. And when that family is the place where, it's, where my heart lies, I give into that family, the first fruits. And, and literally, it's the first item that goes off our account is our tithe. To say to the Lord, Lord, you go first. Now this to me is important, and you may say, oh, that's pedantic. But let me tell you this. This is the reality for me. Now you may be a far better person than what I am, but this is my reality. I need to have a little bit of discipline around that. Because if I had to every month decide, am I going to tithe this month or not? How much am I going to tithe? If I had to pray about it every month, there would be many months that I would find, I would either forget, conveniently, be so busy, I would either just, you know, not have time to do it and it would be such a struggle and it would be so difficult and there's many reasons and this month, ooh, you know, the kids need extra, it's the beginning of school year, they need more, you know, school clothes. Lord, can I just cut a little bit on my tithe? And then, you know, you'll understand it's all for a good cause. And, you know, it just, you, you, I don't even want to go there. Now, you may be better than I am, bless you. But I know me. My flesh needs to be disciplined. My flesh needs a place where it says it's taken care of. So it's not something we pray about. It's not something we consider Every month, once a year, if we can increase or something, we'll, we'll reconsider. There was a time in our lives where we felt the Lord said we needed to move from, grow, from tithing on our gross to tithing on our net. And that took us a while to pray through, to consider how do we do that. And there were prayers that were needed around that. But other than that, that's it. It's done. Now, I celebrate the fact that I can do that. But you know what it does for me as a person? Is I know that I have put that marker down, God is first. God is first. You see, in what you give to God first, you don't lose. You don't lose that which you give to God first. Because He takes it. And He says, and I know it's the Old Testament, but I, I've seen this. Test me in this and see if I will not open up for you the storehouse of heaven. And He's provided. He's provided. Because for me, and I can just honestly tell you, and I say this with all the honesty in our hearts, it's been our practice. Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. 
So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. It's not always been easy to do that. And I can tell you my flesh sometimes wants to find reasons. I know this because sometimes, let's say I get a little bit of extra money for some, from something, a birthday or something. I guarantee you it's almost every time that I get a little bit of extra money that I have to have a bit of reasoning with myself. Because suddenly I'm like, no, you know, perhaps this doesn't quite fall, and I don't have to tithe on this, and I don't, you know, if I give, get, get given a, a gift certificate, must I tithe on it? You know, if it's a gift certificate for Woolies for 200 rand, must I now tithe 20 out of my pocket because somebody blessed me with 200 rand, and, you know, how do I do this? And you can get all weird and technical with these things. And that's not the issue. The issue is where's my heart? Where's my heart? And as, I've, as we've practiced these things, you know what it ha- does for us? There's a joy that comes in you. There's a joy that says, thank you, Lord. I'm better off with living with the 90% that you allow me. Everything belongs to you in the first place. I understand everything is yours. You have right on all my money. You, have, you can ask me for everything. And there's times when the Lord says, I need you to give more than your tithe. The Lord has right to everything I have, but he says this principle because he wants to work with me and cooperate with me. The principle is this, Lord, I'm better off with the 90% that you allow me to steward than with the 100%. You and the 90% is better off than me and the 100%. And some of you may say, but I can't afford to tithe. And I think that's really the point. That's really the point. We need the Lord And I know this is tough, but can I tell you, this is where it gets really practical. Because you can praise the Lord and pray and, you know, declare all sorts of wonderful things. But this is where our faith gets grounded, is do we do these things? It's interesting that the number 10 in the Scripture is the number for test. And you'll often see the testings of the Lord happens in numbers 10. 10 plagues. Many places, the word the ten, and the scripture talks about a tithe, a tenth, and there's an element of it, it is my testing of myself, where I declare and I say, Lord, I'm wholly dependent on you. And that's the principle of the first fruit. God first, I give first. Romans 11 verse 16 says, for the first fruit is holy, if, oh, sorry, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Give first. And I think Dwayne said that well last week, and let me just for those of you perhaps that didn't hear it. The reason part of the tithe is that I give first what belongs to the Lord is because it's a faith gift. You see, when I give the Lord what's left over at the end, that's not faith. When I give the Lord at the beginning, now when that lamb, for instance, if that that sheep had lamb, and you take the first lamb and you give it to the Lord, you don't know how many more lamb that that sheep's going to have. But what you're saying is, Lord, I trust you, and I put you first, and I give to you first, and I trust you for the rest of what I'm going to get from this lamb. If it's nothing, I trust you. If this sheep gives me a hundred more lambs, praise God, then this is the first that I gave. It's a gift of faith. It's a gift of declaration that says, God is my provider. I trust in him. And therefore, it's important for us that we do that and we give to Him. And there's times when the Lord says, I need you to increase your giving. 
because I need you to be prepared and to sow seed for a bigger harvest that I need you to have down the line. Because there's more that I want to do. There's more that I want to use you for, and you need to give now into that. And sometimes that more is not about money at all. It's about because it's about my heart and our hearts. And there's times when the Lord says, now you need to give a little more. And then we give more. Because the giving is the sowing. It's the seed. You don't give, like Dwayne said, for what you need now. You give for what you need tomorrow. So if you're in a tough time, and, and you're feeling the, the reality of this world, and, 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 and right now you're saying, Pastor, this is the wrong message at the wrong time. I really cannot tithe. I want to ask you to step forward in faith. Now, in this church, nobody checks up your tithe. Nobody knows if you tithe or if you don't tithe because it's not that law that we keep because it's you know, something that we have to measure up to. It's, it's really up to you. So nobody knows. It's, and that's the new covenant law. The, the spiritual laws in the new covenant, the wonderful thing about them is they're very personal and very private. Nobody knows if you keep them or not. It's only it's, it's you. Later on in your life, the fruit will be shown because of it, but it's between you and God. And so this principle of the first fruits between you and God, nobody's going to check you up. In that sense, please relax. There's no force. There's no anything to this. That's why I'm saying I'm not trying to win an argument with you. If you don't do any, that's between you and the Lord. But I would like you to consider how do I step into the principles of the first fruits? And sometimes... We've seen it helps with people to say, give a tithe of a tithe. Take a year. Or trust the Lord to grow to a place where you can give that which you believe is the, is the right tithe that you need to give. Trust the Lord. But begin. Begin the process. Step forward. Start putting the seed in the ground. Start sowing so that God can provide, so that God can bring you along in that which is important to Him. So we believe in that. And then, the two other things I quickly want to mention. We tithe because it's a privilege. For me personally, I'm, I, I think it's such an awesome privilege. Such a privilege. Like I said earlier, you know, we've been part of this family for so long. And I can remember as a young person being taught, you tithe. So I would take pocket money, my little pocket money that I got, a tenth of that I would give. And give to this church. And over all the years, it's always been our practice. We Teach the children, you tithe. And I thank God for the legacy of this house. Today we get to sit here in this wonderful facility that was paid for by the tithes of people that came long before us. What a privilege we have. We're sitting on nice, comfortable chairs. Now, we as a church aren't opulent. We're never going to have everything covered in gold and, you know, have the, like really, woohoo. We're not into that. We just want to create a comfortable place where if people come, they can sense the presence of God and there's nothing that obstructs them. There's nothing that, that you know, distracts them. We, that's all we're trying to do. And when we give, we're not, just, we're not giving for ourselves. We give so that others can come. And enjoy the privilege. But it's our privilege to sow into that. It's our privilege to make it possible. It's our privilege. And I thank God for that. Think of the legacy of this church. Of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people from all over the world that have come through the ministry of this church. Not only here in our services, but in our ministries, through our missionaries, through you that in your workplace share what God is doing in your life. Wherever we go, 
We have the privilege to support the kingdom because of this principle that we believe. Imagine, ima- just can I ask you this? Imagine if none of us never ever believed in tithing. What would this church look like? Imagine that for a moment. I can tell you now you'd pay entrance when you come into the door. Amen? You'd pay, you know, you'd pay for everything. You'd pay for your chair. Because I'm, I don't know what world you live in, but I'm sorry, this costs money. And, and we try and keep the costs as low as we can to be good stewards of that we don't spend money on unnecessary things. Like I said earlier, our objective is just to help people to be able to come into the presence of the Lord in these things and whatever we do. But it costs. And if nobody tithed, what would, what would that look like? The last point not only do we tithe because it's a privilege that ties us into a rich heritage, it also, we tithe because we believe in God's kingdom. We believe in God's kingdom. Now, it's easy for us to stand here today and to say, yes, Jesus is the answer. Our nation needs Jesus. But how is our nation going to get Jesus? It's going to be, we believe the church is the vehicle that God has called and anointed for the purpose of bringing His kingdom. It's the church. The church is the number one vehicle, not the, just the gathered church, the organized church like that, but also the scattered the church, you as part of the church. But that all requires resources. So I'm just thinking like this. If we're living in a time right now in our nation, we feel the economic pinch. We're saying our nation is in trouble economically because the systems of the world and the way the world runs money is failing. Isn't it in that time where the kingdom should be the best funded, the best resourced reality in our nation? Because if we have the answer, if we have that which people need, we should have more than enough to say to the people of the world, come, come eat with us. Come share with us. Come let us give you what we've got because the kingdom is God is our provider. God is our provider. And I know we all feel the pinch currently. As a church, we can see through the the tithes that are coming in, the the total amount, we can see that you are feeling the pinch. And we understand it. We all do. And as a church, we're having to make some adjustments currently. And and we've always had a tremendous stewardship in this church and people that are really working very hard to make sure that everything is done correct and right. And this church is well managed and everything runs well. And right now, we're having to make some adjustments because we see the reality we were okay, we can do that because God's our provider. And through good planning and through some sacrifices that the staff is willing to make, we'll, we'll get through. But we don't want to just survive, we want to flourish. Not as people only. Because I don't buy into this thing that if the pastor is rich, then everybody else you know, has a hope. I don't buy into that stuff. It's not my job to be wealthy and rich and whatever. I don't want to suffer, and I don't think that's necessary either. You know, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. <laughs> you know, that idea. I think we can, be, we can be okay. We can be provided for. We can, God is a generous God. But through good stewardship, we'll, you know, we'll negotiate these tough times. But I want to encourage you. And I want to, without any shame, say to you, these are the times where we need to make sure we are sowing into the right places. 
Because we're not sowing for today, we're sowing for tomorrow. That the challenge is, and the temptation on each of us is when the money's tight, that we go like this. And sometimes our flesh gets the better of us and we cut in the wrong places. We take care of the nice things and we, and we cut on the, the other things. And sometimes we can get that wrong. These are the times where we say, Lord, I'm feeling it. And I know many of you, and we're going to pray just now as I end. There's many people that are trusting God. You don't have a job. You don't have a steady income. You know, when Natasha and I, we only started earning our first steady income when, when I was 30 years old. We were already expecting our first. Before that, we were promised a salary, but we never got it because the place where we were didn't have enough money. But we knew. So we tithed on the salary we were supposed to get, but never got. Because we said, Lord, we're tithing. We're trusting you for what is to come. Now, again, this is your personal. You have to put this before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want from me in this time? I don't want to just survive. I want to have faith in tough times to flourish so that your kingdom can come. And that's what I believe. And I speak these things boldly to you. And, and like I said earlier, I hope I didn't get in the way this morning. Because that's not my intention. You can go home and be angry with me. That's fine. I really, that's great. As long as you go and pray about it. Is that okay? I love you. I really do. With all my heart. And it will never happen in this church that we check up on anybody's giving, that we, that we send people to your home with a little kufarki, you know, and come and ask you for money. We'll never do that. We ask you money once a year, and that's at the faith promise, and even that you pray about, and, you, and God has always blessed this church because the people give by faith. You see, if we start saying to you, you must give, and we start forcing you, it's not faith anymore. I'm talking about faith. Faith is me saying, Lord, you are my provider. And I show that by the faith I act in. And if it's five rand, that five rand, is it's 50 cents, that 50 cents can be the biggest faith statement that somebody makes. It's not about the amount you have. It's about what amount shows the heart of faith. And that's relative to all of us. Can we stand together? Worship team, will you join me? You need to forgive me. I really enjoyed being here this whole morning and being able to greet people outside and hang out with you and just. If I've unsettled your heart this morning, will you forgive me? It's a law. You have to. <laughs> I, I sort of, my wife says often to me, I, 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 I rely on the fact that she's a Christian way too much. And so do you have to, you know. Can I pray for us that our hearts will be settled right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you that for each of us, our journey of faith is such a personal journey. Thank you that you've given us this privilege, Lord, that we don't have priests as mediators any longer. We have nobody that we have to impress, nobody that we, that we have to, to put up before you but we come to you directly. And thank you for your grace, Lord, that you've given us freedom, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. 
Thank you, Lord, that you've bring, brought us into a broad place, into a place where we can enjoy the privilege of being part of your kingdom. You're not asking of us to do things that you will not give us the faith and the power to do. And that's why I pray this morning, as I've shared just a little bit of our story, I, the best I could do, Lord, was to try and perhaps stir faith in somebody else's heart. So that when they hear you speak, Lord, that their faith can respond. And they can step into more places, Lord. And I thank you for so many people in this congregation that faithfully give, Lord. Faithfully tithe. And I know for some of them, sometimes, Lord, they, it's a sacrifice. It's not because they have too much. It's so often because of their faith, Lord. And Lord, it's our job, it's our burden to appropriate and use that properly. And we pray for your guidance and your leading in that always. But this is our family, Lord. And we're here for you. So I pray right now that every person, that you will just speak to them your word this morning in Jesus' name. Your word. Your word for this season. God's word to you may be, well done. Thank you. I appreciate. Keep doing what you're doing. God's word may be, just trust me. Trust me for more. We heard the word earlier this morning. The Lord says, I'll never, never, never let you down. Just step into that today. And Lord, I speak a release over people today in Jesus' name. A release of the Spirit right now. No heaviness, no condemnation, no... No force, Lord. Just faith. I release faith in our hearts in Jesus' name. Faith, Lord. Faith for that which you have called us to. In this time and in this season. And we say, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, if you are here today and you need a breakthrough in your finances, you need a job, I had people come to me before the time say, Pastor, please pray for me. I need a job. Every Sunday, our pastors, we pray for people that need work. And we will continue. In the, and I know our pastors that know people personally that, that have, don't have work. They pray for you. We pray for you regularly. We take that seriously. That, and we're not saying, you know, trying to add to your burden. We want to pray for you. But God wants to give you a breakthrough. So if you need prayer this morning, it'll be our extreme privilege and honor to just stand with you, put our arms around you and say, Lord, we thank you for the breakthrough. So right now, if you need a breakthrough, I'm going to ask you to start making your way to the front. If you want to say, Lord, help me. Help me to step forward in faith. Perhaps you just feel weak in your faith. Let us pray with you so that God can give you a word of faith and that God can stir faith in your heart right now. It'll be our privilege to pray for you. I thank you for giving me a lot of extra time this morning. I really appreciate it. I honor that. I don't take it lightly. I know I, I take longer. But I really appreciate that. May the Lord bless you in this week. May He provide for you according to His riches in glory. Not according to our economy, but according to His riches in glory. May He do things that will blow your mind. Because He loves you. He's your Father. And even if you don't tithe, He loves you. He will provide for you. 
He will do things for you because He loves you. He's faithful to you. But step into the more that He has for you. We love you lots. Have a great week. And if you need prayer, just come to the front. If you want to give your heart to Jesus today and say, Lord, I, I need to know Jesus. Come to the front right now. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can give all the money in your world. It doesn't going to do you any good if you don't give your heart to Jesus first. Give him your heart. That's what he wants. That's what he's really after. Come, let us pray with you this morning. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for those that joined us on YouTube and on the radio. The Lord bless you.